0: Kroger, fresh for everyone.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on vSEN.
3: It is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds here on a Tuesday. And Wes, I always think this is a very interesting uh, and worthwhile uh, kind of Workshop scenario to go through certainly in college football and also to an extent with the NFL whether or not you want to play the numbers that you have now say on a Tuesday or you want to wait to see where anticipate where the line move might move into your favor to get a better number. So let's talk specifically about some games coming up in college football this weekend. And if you don't mind, I'd like to start off with a game I'm going to attend. So I'm very excited to go to Notre Dame. I've never been to Notre Dame Stadium to watch a football game. I've been to the campus. But I'm going to watch USC coming in to take on Notre Dame. And right now, Fight On is getting six and a half, and the over-under is at 58 and a half. So depending on which side you like here, Wes, would you bet now or bet it later?
1: Uh, I may not bet it at all, to be honest <laughs> with you, because I don't know what to expect out of USC week to week. One week they look like, hey, they might be the best team in the pac 12 South. And then the next week they do not look like the best team in the pac 12 South. This is a, Obviously, a team in, very much in transition that's going to have a new coach at the end of the season. I don't think that the interim is going to be no. hired there as head coach. So, <clears throat> uh, look, USC right now, 3-3. Three and three. Notre Dame still has a little bit to play for. Not for the college football playoff with that loss that they took, uh, but 5-1 and one, still can get in that New Year's 6, still can get in a big bowl game. And the schedule for Notre Dame and the reason why I'm saying, okay, no shot at the playoff, They don't have really that signature opponent, I think, for the rest of the season on this schedule. Uh, USC obviously is a signature name, but not signature in terms of how they're performing this season. They get a Jekyll and Hyde team with USC this week and another one with North Carolina. They get Navy, who's down Virginia, who's very potent offensively with Brennan Armstrong at quarterback, but not so much on the defensive end. Georgia Tech. And then they go to Stanford. So, look, they don't get a pit on the schedule this year. Notre Dame usually will have pit or one of those teams from the ACC. But that conference, obviously, is down. So, you know, I I moved up from uh, six and a half to seven. There's still some six and a halves out there, I believe. Uh, Bet MGM is at seven. There is still six and a half at the market. But this is really a tough team to get a read on. Uh, The over has gotten some play here up to about 57 and a half. I think the opener... Down at Circus Sports was 53 and a half. Mm-hmm. The opener also was USC at four. Most of the market, you know, when they wait to mature, open it up at six, six and a half. But I don't disagree with that initial move on Notre Dame at seven. Probably not going to lay it, would slightly lean to the over.
3: All right, Tim Murray's gonna hop in for me on Sunday and do the green zone with you. And Tim, of course, being a big Notre Dame game, I'd like to back Notre Dame in that spot. So again, if you're seeing the line move to seven and you're a Notre Dame backer, you probably want to hit, wait and hope it comes back down to six and a half. So if you're hopping on Notre Dame, you want to find that six and a half somewhere. Because mm-hmm. you, to your point, it seems like it's it's fluctuating right now between six and a half and seven. I think seven.
1: it's going to dance around this number pretty much until kickoff on
3: game night. Let's talk about Oregon and UCLA on Saturday. Because this line is fascinating to me, Wes, when you look at it and see UCLA, the fighting Chip Kellys, are the favorite at home by two. Black attack. I mean, this is a team. We were talking about college football playoff. We saw what they did week one at Ohio State and get that win on the road. Would you bet it now again, depending on the side, or what line move might you anticipate?
1: I'd wait. And and I think UCLA may get the support because, of course, Chip Kelly, former Oregon Duck mm-hmm. coach, and now, you know, he seems like he has a pretty good team here with UCLA, still right in that mix and that muck. That's the Pac-12 South. But, you know, Oregon, I thought, even though I was against them on Friday night and Cal got the cover, Cal only had like a little up around five yards of play. So Oregon's defense, I thought, did do a solid job of stopping them. I would, you know, and, and they, they did well against Stanford, too, and they mm-hmm. really should have won that game. And that's obviously the one blemish on their record. I think now you're get you're getting Oregon in points, and usually we like these unranked favorites. Yes, against uh, ranked underdogs. This might be one I slightly lean to the underdog. I would need a little bit more and see if I could get plus three. I don't know. I think, uh, and everybody else in the free world is probably thinking that too. So that's not like some cutting edge thought here, but. You know, I would want to wait a little bit just to see if I can get that three with Oregon, but I have not bet this one as of yet.
3: Okay, and one more that's really intriguing, and boy, if you've been backing Clemson, you have not cashed one ticket. They, have, they are 0 for so far ATS this season. Now they go on the road to Pittsburgh, and we know what Pittsburgh can do offensively, right? And the Panthers are laying three and a half... It, And I know if you go back to the look ahead line in the summer and then you look at it now and you go, Pittsburgh is going to lay three and a half. Mm -hmm. What would you do here? Would you bet it now or would you wait and bet it later?
1: Yeah, by the way, uh, the preseason game of the year line on this was Clemson minus 17 (laughs) because, of course, they do put these out in the summer. Look, it's college football books, especially like we're sitting here at the South Point they want to generate some traffic and get some betting handle. And it also kind of helps these bookmakers see, okay, because it's mostly sharp guys that are going to bet these game of the year lines. It's not your average Joe better necessarily. So that lets them know, okay, that helps us sharpen up our numbers a little bit. We'll take these game of the year games at low limits and then see what we'll reprice throughout the season. And obviously, you know, Clemson getting now three and a half, uh, uh, first time they've been a dog against an ACC opponent since Deshaun Watson in 2016 against Lamar Jackson and Louisville. Wow! So, look, I mean, I, I don't know if I if I've got the waveos here to go in <laughs> on Clemson necessarily. I think Pittsburgh is the rightful favorite, but you are now getting a Pittsburgh team that's also getting hype because we talked about it last weekend yes. on Betting Across America. Hey, maybe Kenny Pickett. Maybe this is one of those unconventional years where nobody is a real clear cut, standout favorite and just above and beyond everybody else. Maybe look at Kenny Pickett. And I think at that time he was like 35 to one, then got cut to like 22 to one and had, you know, an okay game against Virginia Tech, not, you know, stupid video game type numbers or anything like that. But you do have a pit team that's all of a sudden only got one loss. Looking very spry in the ACC, this is a team I think until last Saturday had gone over the total in every single game because Pitt, known as a defensive team, of course Narduzzi, a defensive guy, mm-hmm. was on that Dantonio staff at Michigan State for about a decade and a half, or or at least a decade. Now they're a scoring machine, it seems like. Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator there, running more up-tempo with Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett is about, I think, an 18th-year senior at this (laughs) standpoint. So now, all of a sudden, he's developed, and he's been a starter pretty much his entire career there in the Steel City. So I think this is rightful. I mean, I would initially lean, I'm like, okay, Clemson, but this is probably, a, a, I think, a real stay away game. And by the way, there are some threes now emerging in the market. So, because that's the narrative all week. It's like Clemson and underdog. Like, right. oh my God. Well, based on how they play, they can't score. Their defense is still top notch, but they can't score at all. They couldn't get away from Syracuse on Friday night.
3: They couldn't. So, again, I guess my point to you, my question to you would be, If you want to bet it later and you want to back Pittsburgh, wait for the Clemson money to come in because they are a dog and see if this thing dips under three. Could you anticipate that line move that maybe by Saturday you can get a two and a half? Yeah,
1: you you very well could, because I do think people are going to follow that narrative of like, wow, Clemson is an underdog. Maybe this is the buy low spot. This is the stay away spot for me. <laughs> I want nothing to do with this game. Let's
3: talk about the fighting Terps here. The Turtles are going to go to row the boat against Minnesota and PJ fucking company on Saturday. And right now, Minnesota is a, boy, that dead number, we see it a lot, five here on Saturday. The over-under right now at about 54. What do you make of this game? Two teams very hard to figure out, I would think, If you want to back them, is this a bet now or a bet later scenario?
1: Yeah. And, and Minnesota, all of a sudden, remember, you know, it's all, it's all about a market and when you bet a team necessarily, because remember Minnesota losses, like a 30 point favorite to Bowling green. I went on them the next week against Purdue. They get a win on the road. Everybody was kind of against Minnesota last week yeah, because Nebraska, it's like, Oh, Nebraska has been playing these tough games against Michigan state and against Michigan they were right there they get beat by a field goal at the end of the game so it's like now this is the drop in class and Minnesota pretty much did a wire to wire job on Nebraska 30 to 23 getting four points at home so now they're laying 5 to Maryland so i mean would Minnesota be a nine would Minnesota really be a nine point favorite over uh over uh you know, in, in that spot over over Nebraska no. at this standpoint, or well, I mean, I should say Nebraska against Maryland. Right? Would Nebraska be a nine point favorite no. against Maryland? I don't think so necessarily. So. Uh... I have not played this. I would lean Maryland a little bit, but I do wonder how they're going to react. Demas, their star receiver, of course, got knocked out mm-hmm. with the leg injury in the Iowa game. And the last two times we have seen Maryland, they've been boat race 51 to 14 at home against Iowa, 66 oh. to 17 against uh, Ohio state, but they do have a bye week. So maybe this is the buy low spot for Maryland. If I do bet this game, I'll be on the turtle.
3: Yeah. And you've been really good uh, when you've been looking at Minnesota. Cause again, I remember you were on Bowling Green. Uh, that that day on that Saturday when we were doing betting across America to, together and they were getting, what, 30 and a half? Mm-hmm. And they outright w- win the game here, so never a sweat there. And then again, you're anticipating these moves and that's why we always pick your brain on these. And again, you've been right on your radar all year with Minnesota. Let's talk about Nevada against Fresno State here, wrapping up uh, bet now or bet later. Fresno State at home, a small favorite, uh, in the three, the total, uh, rather large at 63 Would you bet now or would you bet later?
1: Yeah, I would probably, if you're on Reno or UNR Nevada-Reno, I would bet it right now. I think uh, they're going to continue to get the money. They've been covering games. They did cover the number against Hawaii. Uh, Nevada, I think, you know, a little bit more of expectations. And plus, you've seen it drop already from four. To three, pretty much market wide, including mm-hmm. bet MGM. So, if you like Nevada, I'd bet it now. If you like Fresno State, I would absolutely wait.
3: Okay, so that's uh, again some advice before your college football Saturday how you might want to play those games if you want to hop in now or just wait a little bit. When we come back here, betting uh, right now on the Lombardi line, we're going to talk some NBA, some futures and some MVP futures. And guess what? Oh, shocker. Ben Simmons is not on the list. We'll discuss maybe who you should play to be the MVP in the NBA because it's opening night. We'll discuss when you come back with us. It's Visa in the Sports Betting Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast. The NBA season tips off today, but there's still time to grab your copy of the VSN Pro Basketball Betting Guide. It has strategies, predictions, and best bets to stay ahead of the odds makers. Our hoop experts, including Jonathan Von Tobel, provide strategy and advice as well as predictions for conference winners, win totals, playoff teams, and player awards. This digital guide is a must-have, so give yourself a betting edge this season and get your copy now for only 999 at VSN.com. Slash subscribe back here in the Lombardi Line. I'm Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. Let's talk more NBA to that end as the season does tip off tonight, and let's look in that futures market because Wes, I always find this fascinating and potentially hard to navigate when you want to try to predict who is going to be the MVP mm-hmm. because there you do have to take a walk down narrative street for certain players before you just say the best player is going to win this award, because sometimes you know how media, it's a media-driven award here, and narratives that are out there. So Luka Doncic right now is the, I'd say, pretty overwhelming favorite at plus 450 to win this award, and then you look at Durant, and I thought Will Hill in the last hour, hopefully you heard that, he, he anticipates KD to have a monster year. He only has one, I say only, only has one MVP. Of course, there's Giannis, former MVP winner as well, plus 800. And you look at Joel Embiid at plus 700, and I just don't know if he can stay healthy enough to be an an active player there at that price. And then the return of Steph Curry at plus 900. Oh, by the way, LeBron James, remember him? Mm -hmm. 14 to 1 here. How would you navigate this futures market? Well, and
1: I start at the top with Doncic. I think you can maybe get better than 450 at some point in the season because You know, with MVPs, they're usually on very good teams. And is Dallas going to be a very good team? Are they going to be, you know, a six or a seven seed? Or are they going to be a top three or four seed? I think if they're in the top three, then Doncic has a chance to win the award. By the way, the MVP preseason favorite has gone four and six the last 10 years. And non-LeBron James favorites have (laughs) gone two and six. Of course, it was uh, Giannis in 2020, Westbrook in 2017 won the award. So... I think you can get better on Luka Doncic uh, there at plus 450 with Embiid. How many games is Embiid going to play this year? That's what always makes him a risk. So kind of the guys that I look to go to, if I'm not going too far down the board, first guy I would be looking at would be Steph Curry at nine to one currently at BetMGM because look, this guy got the second, most first place, second place, third place, and fourth place votes last season. Uh, and he did this on a team that was in the play in tournament that barely, barely finished eighth in the West. And now you have some veterans added to that golden state roster. Obviously we're waiting for clay Thompson to eventually return mm-hmm. probably at the turn of the year in 2022 is when we're going to see him. But you've added Otto Porter. You've added Bajelica. You uh Iguodala is back. Langston Galloway. You've got the rookie two first round picks. You have uh Kuminga moses moody who could contribute on some uh, level and then if clay comes back in january steph curry did win the scoring title last year he made 5.3 three pointers a game if he had played the full 82 game schedule he would have finished with the second most threes in nba history behind his own record in the 2016 season all while missing 11 games so look he is still, I think, you know, in terms of an offensive player, him and Duran are probably neck and neck in this in terms of just instant offense impact. I think these two are kind of the top guys there. So Steph Curry 9 to 1 if you especially if the Warriors look if he did that, them be in the 8th seed. If they get in the top 4, this is a guy that's going to get the benefit of the doubt and don't underestimate the fact that he is a media darling. Yes, he is. And people like Steph Curry, you know. I mean, he is that just plays. he is one of those guys in the NBA You know, because the NBA, we know, is an individual star-driven league. He is one of those guys everywhere he goes. I don't care how moribund or how bad the team is. And I go back to my NBA ticket sales background. When you get a superstar come to town, you sell individual tickets, you know, and you sell those single-game tickets. And then you got to call those people back and be like, hey, would you like to have a 10-game package? (laughs) Or would you be able to go to 10 games instead of just, you know, because Steph Curry is your kid's favorite player, and you bought that one game a year. So... Look, I think nine to one, still not bad value. And then uh, looking at Kevin Durant, of course, at at seven to one, you know, he's going to have to obviously carry, at least in the short term, more of a load with Kyrie Irving, not going to be available every night. So, you know, he's not, he's not the favorite here. And I think, uh, look, He's going to have to carry a little bit of the load. There still is that argument. Cause I think the argument at the end of last year was between two guys. Who's really the best player in the league. Is it Giannis? Is it Kevin Durant? Giannis probably gets more of the votes because he just won the championship. So, you know, there is recency bias there, but, uh, I think Kevin Durant at seven to one. I'd be much more interested in him at that price necessarily than in Bede or in Luca. And obviously Giannis has won it a couple times. So is there Giannis fatigue? Is Milwaukee gonna regress mm. now that they finally won that championship? So that's something I would wait on. Uh Dame Lillard there at eleven to one. That team is just not gonna be good enough. I think he is one of the better players in the league, but There's going to be trade rumors. That team is probably at best going to be in the second four in terms of the Western conference. So he, not for me, LeBron James, it seems like the voters may want to give him one more crack at an MVP season, but the King is starting to show the age a little bit. I still think he's very good and very effective, but look, father time is undefeated. So he is starting to show a little bit of age and, you know, obviously with Davis and Westbrook, you see they're at 25 1. Well, that's to say, one. those
3: three might cancel each other out, right? Yeah. Because with all the star power the Lakers have, yeah. and, and you look at that on the board and you see mm-hmm. Davis at 25 to 1, who never seems to play close to a full slate. Westbrook at 25 to one and LeBron at 14 to one, it kind of feels like they might cancel Mm -hmm. each other out a little bit.
1: It is kind of like a little bit of that. If you have that big Academy award uh, Oscar nominated movie and you have multiple actors nominated in the best actor category, or you have some hot TV show and you get a couple nominated where maybe votes are taken away from the other. So I could totally see that. Uh, If I'm going on the right side of that graphic that we just had up, you know, probably the guy I would look at maybe as a dark horse would be Trey Young or Jason Tatum. I think those would be the two dark horses I'm looking at uh, because, look, uh, if there's a vacuum after the Nets and the Bucks in the East with the whole Ben Simmons situation in Philadelphia, who's going to fill that gap, it could very well be one of those two teams, the Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics. The offense is built around Trey Young in Atlanta. The Hawks have shown at least a little bit of a playoff medal. Going forward. So, you know, he would be a little bit of a longer shot. I would look at Jason Tatum is a really, you know, is one of the real two way players in this league. Good defender, good offensively. There is a new coach there in Boston. I thought that they were just kind of beat up by injuries last year. I think that's the team. If you're looking for a true dark horse in the Eastern conference, I think it could be the Boston
3: Celtics. It's amazing that we went through that whole board and we did not mention Nikola Jokic. We didn't mention the Joker, the reigning defending champion, right? The, the MVP here. Is it that fatigue that sets in? It's hard to go back to back. It's hard for mm-hmm. voters to say, yeah, yeah, he is clearly the most dominant player two years in a row. Is that why we're seeing him at a 14 to one that the Joker we just don't think can even if he has as good a year as he had a year ago, statistically, that we're just going to have that, that built in bias for vote, voter fatigue? We could,
1: and 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 I think, uh, look, uh, you can get value on some of these guys late in the season, by the way. You don't necessarily have to bet this early. We are going to see some, uh, some adjustments and whatnot. Look, Jokic in his prime at 26. Uh, by the way, and that's why I think you see LeBron James and some of these older players priced a little bit higher because the evidence would indicate that you don't get Old guys win in MVPs anymore because I think uh, you know since 2018 of the 22 MVPs were aged between 24 and 28 years old, and only 13 MVPs in league history are 30 or older, and none since Steve Nash in 2006. Ooh. So that's kind of the demerit. A little bit against against LeBron and, Steph. and yeah, and some of these older players. I still think Steph has value because I think Steph's a little bit of an outlier because, like I said, he is a media darling and people and people really like this guy. And if Golden State, who obviously had to fight and scrap to get in the playoffs, was kind of a mishmash unit that was injured, if that team is projected to be, you know, four or five in that range. I think Steph's got a really good shot at this award.
3: I'm with you. If I had to pick somebody on the, on the left side of the graphic, if you will, of the favorites of favorites, the two guys that you pointed out that I, I just look at and go, it's going to be a head to head, Mano Who's the best player in the East it's Durant and Giannis. Mm-hmm. Like if Giannis shoots free throws better, like he did in the finals, Just wait to see what his numbers look like this year. Like, right. It could be absolutely astounding what he's able to
1: do. Now, the one thing is, does he keep that sense of urgency? Does he have that? It's like, okay, I got my ring here in Milwaukee. Now, are you satisfied or are you going to go ahead and say, you know what? I'm out to prove something. I want to be great. I want to be one of the best of all time. And does he have that in him? I, I I tend to think that he does.
3: Me too. I'm kind of with you. I don't have that big a question when I when it looks at when I look at Giannis and go, will he be dedicated? He just seems like the type of guy that like, all right, Lou Alcindor won one in Milwaukee, then he left and became an all time great Laker. I think Giannis wants to be that guy in Milwaukee, and I think this year will prove a lot that look they're not going anywhere. And Giannis's game, I actually think scary as it sounds, might actually get better.
1: He's starting to shoot better from the outside. If he develops an outside shot, look the hell out.
3: We're going to talk more about the East in the futures. Which team would we put our money on? Discuss with us when you come back. It's the Lombardi Line on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VEASAN free trial today to get you full access to our sports betting experts, including 24-7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to VEASAN.com data and analysis. You get everything VEASAN has to offer for only $22 per month. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Back here alongside West Reynolds, I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi Line. Talk a little NFL in just one second, but it is opening night in the NBA, Wes. So we're looking at certain teams. And we'll just make it a simple yes-no proposition for you of whether or not these th- we think these teams have some value to make or miss the postseason. Let's start off in the Eastern Conference. Now, obviously, if you think the Bucs are going to miss the playoffs, then you're banking on injuries. Mm-hmm. That's the only scenario here because you look at the yes. If you want to lay that kind of money Go for it. Then you have much deeper pockets than I do. Same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. And really, where it starts to get interesting there is with the 76ers. And we had Will Hill on in the first hour. And Will said, maybe you take a flyer there at plus 900 for the no. Because in case you missed it, Ben Simmons has already been suspended for the season opener for Philadelphia tomorrow. We have no idea what his status will be going forward. When you look at some of these teams here in the East, do you find any value with a yes or a no?
1: Yeah, and and I wouldn't say the no necessarily. I know that's a big attractive price. Maybe it could go awry. I actually think it's going to be better for Philadelphia once this gets done. Now, may struggle a little bit early on uh, in terms of, uh, you know, getting a lot of wins and getting getting a rhythm until maybe they can force this trade. And they're probably not going to be able to get this trade until Ben Simmons, at least is a participant. And then all of a sudden, because there's no urgency to trade the guy, you could just maybe, you know, leave him on the bench and, and not really play him. So I don't think it's reached that point of no return just yet, but I am higher on Philadelphia. I think they're a dark horse actually to win the Eastern conference, as we mentioned earlier in the program. So look then you kind of got to go to the middle of the market in terms of who is going to miss the playoffs and uh when i was looking at at this and and obviously you're dealing with like the five through ten teams i think so you aren't getting those big prices like you're getting on philadelphia one team i think maybe on the no would be the new york knicks because i do like them actually a little bit on their season win totals under i just think that You know, they overachieved last year, I think. But we know if Tom Thibodeau is a very good coach, but we know he can wear, that that can wear on a team you know when you're this defensive oriented team and all of a sudden that gets wear out i mean they were a great story last season look randall was terrific rose i think assumed the leadership role emmanuel quickly i think had a very good rookie season and they were number one ats i believe in the league in terms of covering games they had covered remember they had that 12 game streak where they had covered all these games But now the market, I think, is adjusted a little bit. And is Randall going to duplicate another career year? Is Derek Rose going to find the fountain of youth for a second year in a row there in Madison Square Garden? And look, this defense also did have a lot of three-point luck. They allowed, because they kind of packed it in a little bit, Mm -hmm. they allowed the most wide-open three-point attempts in the league. So, I would say New York on plus money as a no to miss the playoffs. That's the one that kind of stood out to me in the
3: East. Let me see if I can find some plus money here for teams to make the playoffs. And I'm kind of looking right at the Toronto Raptors Mm -hmm. here at plus 275. This is a team, obviously, they're they're not the championship team we saw a couple years ago here, but they still have a potential superstar in Siakam uh, in Toronto. What do you make of their prospects to make the playoffs and you get really good value if you want to back them at plus 275?
1: Well, and uh, look, uh, this is going to be my old... uh... IU brethren, OG and Anobi, he kind of step up and and you know not only stay healthy, but really I think kind of uh, generate his game to the next level. And I think that that's going to be the key for for the dinosaurs going forward because there isn't a lot of separation between a lot of these teams. Right there, 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 there just isn't. So i mean the pacers and the bulls it's like they're kind of like all a bunch of muck you know they're really in that range where there's not a lot of separation i think there's a clear top three and then miami atlanta and boston i think are kind of pretty equal when you look at them going forward that they kind of seem like you know anywhere from three to six that they're gonna finish so the raptors in terms of the yes uh I would be a little more interested. I'm not as interested in Washington because, you know, does Brad, you know, well, we don't Brad know. Beal, we what, don't know. What, what is he going to do? But, you know, the Raptors do retain a lot of that core. You mentioned Siakam. I mentioned Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, mm-hmm. Scotty Barnes. Can he contribute as a rookie? Gary Trent Jr. I think is a good rotation piece. Achua and Flynn, you know, our young talent. This is a very young team. I mean, and honestly, too, with Toronto, you got to take into account they played in Florida for the, for these home games. They did not play in the six. So, you know, that's going to make, I think a very big difference. Uh, uh, you know, now one of the things looking at Toronto, they were 12 and 27 last year against teams over 500. So, so not good so against the, good they've got to be able, they've got to be able to step up here. But, uh, uh, you know, I would certainly lean to the over on on their win totals because i I, I just bank on nurse and New jury to kind of figure it out up there in Toronto. So in terms of a yes value, that would be where I would look at and look, Toronto may still be involved in a Ben Simmons trade. that's right. That could very well happen wow. here. so uh and and I think Toronto, when you look at them, they were very much a middling team. they were fifteenth on offense. they were sixteenth on defense. so, Toronto, I think that's a good spot by you on the yes. And the
3: reason why I bring them up, because when you look at the value, and to your point about the Pacers and the Bulls, yes value for them is minus 165 for these, Mm -hmm. I think, comparable teams. So if we're going to be able to compare the Bulls, Pacers, Raptors, Knicks, kind of throw them all in, well, the one that sticks out, obviously, there is the, the plus 275 versus laying the 150 for the Knicks, 165 for the Bulls, 165 for the Pacers. Bulls haven't done anything yet. I know they have high hopes in Chicago this year, but I think that's where you might be able to find a little bit of value. Also
1: new coach in Indiana with Rick Carlisle. Now I think that that's an upgrade over Nate Bjorkman. I think Carlisle, obviously he's got a ring uh, from down there in Dallas and you know, Rick Carlisle kind of coming back home. We know even though Larry Bird doesn't have a day-to-day role, he is still a quote unquote consultant. So he is still consulted. He still does have a say, even though Kevin Pritchard is the general manager and the president of the Indiana Pacers. But Pritchard of course was brought in by Larry Bird and also, and also Herb Simon, the owner there in Indianapolis. So I want to see how this is going to be because the Pacers, I think, were a big disappointment. They're still trying to figure out how to play Sabonis and Miles Turner together. Malcolm Brogdon, I thought, was very erratic last year. He yes. was a disappointment for a guy that got an extended contract, you know, a, that his nickname is the president, and he's supposed to be the leader <laughs> of the team. Kind of fell short in that regard, I think, in his first year in Indianapolis.
3: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I was a little bit disappointed with Brogdon because I thought actually that that was going to hurt the Bucks going forward. They were able to figure right. out how to play without Brogdon and still win an NBA title, so rather impressive on that front, all right, a couple minutes to go here before we hit a break. And Wes, I want to switch our focus over to Thursday night football, because I look at this game and you look at the Browns and you look at the Broncos and I go, where in the world are we going to get points as dinged up as these teams are? And you and I talked about a lot on the green zone on Sunday, specifically with the Browns and can I, it's like, you know, Friday night lights, give me a running back. Like, give me a running back. They don't have a running back now for a team that was loaded running back. Now, all of a sudden, looks like no Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt's on the IR. My goodness, we've got a lay three, small number. If you want to back the Brownies here, Baker Mayfield's banged up. He says he's going to go, even with the dinged wing. What do you make of this number? Most
1: of the injury focus is obviously going to be on the Browns and look last Sunday, I'm sitting with you in the studio uh, for the green zone on Sunday. And I had the Browns early on the week had good numbers. So had all that CLV, that closing line value, which didn't amount to anything in this process because of course, Conklin and Wills, the two starting tackles for the Cleveland Browns were ruled out of the game about an hour before. So it was like, you kind of knew you were in a world of hurt if you were on the Browns. And then you saw that getting bet to the Cardinals. And that wasn't just Joe public better. That was some sharp guys saying, okay, they're without their two two starting tackles, Right. so now down to two and a half. And then you mentioned Chubb, Uh, Owusu Karamoa is now on injured list. My goodness, of course, uh, on the injured list but uh, you also got to look at the Denver side a little bit they're starting to get beat up on defense remember Bradley Chubb at the end of September did go on IR you've now got Alexander Johnson linebacker going to be out with a pack injury Baron Browning linebacker has a concussion he is going to be out Uh, a couple other guys mints and Ford also questionable on that defense so this is a game I don't know if I really want anything to do with. I want to give a recommendation, yeah, no, but no. if I don't want to bet it with my own money, I'm not going to do that necessarily on the air. This was six on the look ahead. It's obviously been adjusted due to the injuries. Denver has come back to earth. Remember, they were three and oh to start 3-3. the season, but their opponents were a combined oh and nine. So they regressed and then that was a spot for Baltimore got them and then Denver just has not been the same. So I have no idea what to do with this game. Well, Just
3: food for thought here, people, before you, you make a play on this game. Remember last week with Arizona in, and at the beginning of the week, before all the injuries and before we knew about Nick Chubb, they were a three-point favorite against Arizona. That number is the same against the Broncos mm-hmm. at home. And I think we all can surmise that Arizona's a little bit better than the Broncos right now. So I'm kind of with you. The lean to me, because the number move, I probably would like the Browns better. So if I'm going to play that game that's the side I'd probably go on. When we come back here on the Lombardi Line, final thoughts before baseball. We got big game three and game four in the AL and NLCS. Come on by. It's the Lombardi Line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Sign up today at BetMGM and enjoy the thrill of victory on your very first bet. The King of Sportsbooks welcomes you to Showtime with a special offer on pro basketball. Simply place a $10 money on wager on any game. And if either team simply hits a three-pointer in the game, you're going to win $200 in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use the bonus code VSTIN200 when you make your first bet to take advantage of this offer. Enjoy basketball like never before with BetMGM's live betting options, boosted odds specials, and daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to bedmgm.com. Use the bonus code VEASAN200 to win 200 bucks in free bets if a three-pointer is simply made in the game that you wager on. New customer offer paid in free bets. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit bedmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Wrapping up our time here on the Lombardi Line with Wes Reynolds, I am Dave Ross. Let's talk a little bit more Major League Baseball because we have two very important games. NLCS game three today between the Braves and the Dodgers and ALCS game four between the Stros and the Red Sox. Let's talk about the Braves and Dodgers a little bit more in specifics here, because you know what the theory is going to be. Well, the Dodgers are home. Mm-hmm. They're the better team. They're down 0-2, must win. Well, just because it's a must win doesn't mean you get that win. right. What do you make of this number here?
1: Yeah, and it's already priced into that point, I think, at one seventy-five. So I think in terms of the line value, and it's not just because there's a plus there, there is a line value, I think, on Charlie Morton. Because I mentioned uh, when we were talking with Will Hill at the end of the last hour, Charlie Morton on the road, 306, road ERA, uh, took care of the Dodgers in that last start back mm-hmm. on August 31st. Six innings, three hits, one earned, eight strikeouts. So Charlie Morton is the guy, I think that veteran guy that you want to open in this spot if you're the Braves. Keep in mind also the Braves are 2-0 and oh, with Freddie Freeman having struck out seven of his eight at bat Ooh. so far in this series. I mean, you've been having guys step up. We Remember, we we kind of maybe scoffed or dismissed that as, eh, that's just, you know, a... Uh, bottom of the roster move with jock peterson it has been anything but uh eddie rosario has been a hot hitting help propel the braves to their game two walk off so look all these guys are stepping up and for the braves to be doing this without of course acuna we know ozuna with some off the field uh yeah. issues there has not been available so Look, uh, the Braves, I think, are very deserved that they're in very good position to win this series. On the other hand, this is who the Dodgers want going at home tonight with Walker Bueller, 204, 205 home ERA. That's a full run better than his road, Mark. And you look at the uh, batting splits, uh, opponent, opposing hitters, rather, just 192 against Walker Bueller at Chavez Ravine, right-handed hitters only 189 against R- Walker Bueller. So, look, these are the best two options for this the, these teams, and I think that's why you're seeing the under money come in at 7.5. And, and I don't disagree with that. And I think eventually, as we go on this afternoon, because about – little over three hours from now his first pitch out there at Dodger Stadium you are going to see some sevens juice to the over because that's a key number on the total so you're going to see some sevens minus 120 juice to the over and if you like the under you're going to see it juice to minus 120 minus 125 so obviously if you like the under you want to bet the seven and a half don't wait on it I think get it now I don't think it's going up it's going downwards here I think with these two pitchers on the mound and kind of in a high pressure game here two for the Dodgers, you know you don't want to go. You don't want to go down three and zero necessarily. So I actually like the way Will Hill played this. With when it with it getting bet to the under is to go ahead and take the run and a half with the Atlanta Braves. And I'm trying to get an updated price. That would be Lane. Now you're laying vig there minus one thirty, 130, minus one thirty five. If you're taking the run and a half, but I think there's a little value on the mm-hmm. dog when that game is getting bet to the under. So. That's the way I'd be going here for this one.
3: It's hard for, as a Mets fan, for myself to back the Braves financially, but that feels like the right side to be on tonight. Let's talk about the Stros and the Red Sox in ALCS game number four this evening. Again, the Sox leading this series two games to one right now. They're hitting grand slams every time you look up. And I think for that reason, the offense that we've seen with the Sox in this one, and you got Zach Greinke on the mound here for the Stros. Do we feel like the right play here, even though it's a big total of 10, might be the best way to go?
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't go under necessarily because I don't know how long these starting pitchers are going to be there, Zach Grinky. You know, is he going to be able to go two innings? Is Pavetta going to be able to go a couple innings? And and look, we talked about it in the first hour that this is kind of a terrible matchup, right. really, for both pitchers. It's You know, I mentioned all the negatives on Grinky, but, you know, Pavetta's got his fair share too because, look, walk rate just under 10%, 40% hard hit rate. I mean, this is a guy that's kind of, Up a boilerplate average starting pitcher in major league baseball. But then you look on the other side with Greinke. He's going to go two to three innings, and Christian Javier is kind of going to have to be the middle innings, innings eater, if you will. So I think this is a tough matchup for Zach Greinke, pitching-wise, because the Red Sox hit the crap out of change-ups and four-seamers, <laughs> and what are Zach Greinke's two main pitches? Change-up and a four-seam fastball. Right. So that's what you're going to see here. I mean, Greinke, you know, is living basically at 37 years old. He's the ultimate real estate agent pitcher. Location, location, location. and. <laughs> And that's got to be on point because he does not have overpowering stuff anymore, nor does really Nick Pavetta. And when you've got a bunch of right-handed batters in that Astros lineup that don't really strike out a lot, Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley, Jose Altuve, guriel these guys don't strike out very much. So they're going to get on base. So I, I would only play, I would only play the over here. And then if you're maybe looking at some props, uh, you know, I know we didn't get a lot into the prop market. J.D. Martinez at over one and a half total bases. Uh, look to see where you can bet that, where those props are offered. J.D. Martinez in six postseason games, 11 to 26. That's a 423 average. On fire. Five extra base hits. He's cashed his base props, I believe, in four of those games so far. 11 bases against the Astros in the past two games in this series. So, look, obviously the guy absolutely crushes the ball against Fenway. And at Fenway, Going against Granky, maybe able to touch him up early. Greinke's had to rely, like I said, more on his craftiness mm-hmm. and throwing a little bit more off-speed stuff, throwing some more breaking stuff, but J.D. Martinez can hit those. He's not just a fastball hitter.
3: All right, I'm probably going to end up playing that over. I think that's uh, very good advice out there because you cannot, right now, bet the under the way the Red Sox are hitting the ball. And again, you just don't know what you're going to get and how long Zach Greinke's going to go. Well, let's talk about a little bit of college football here to end up the show here on the Lombardi line. Unless there's a couple games out there that have caught your eye early uh, before we get to the weekend action.
1: Yeah. One of these, and we've actually got four of these spots and I'm only going to focus on one of them here. Cause we're a little short on time, but okay. we've got four unranked favorites against ranked underdogs. We talked about one a little bit, actually talked about two of them a mm-hmm. little bit earlier, UCLA unranked favorite over Oregon Pitt unranked favorite over Clemson air force unranked favorite over San Diego state. But there's one, uh, unranked favorite that I do kind of like here and it's actually one on the road oh. and it's not one that has a very good offense but has a very good defense and that's Wisconsin against Purdue. Okay, Wisconsin, now Purdue's going to be up for this because obviously they've lost 14 in a row to these guys. They don't want to be like, okay, we're getting fat and happy because we went and that wasn't a fluke at Iowa. No, they beat they dominated Iowa mm-hmm. and they beat them in the turnover margin, which nobody's been able to do. I think Purdue got four takeaways only gave it away one time. So Purdue Purdue, who had actually struggled to generate turnovers, much like Wisconsin does for that matter, was plus three in the turnover margin. This would be probably a money line uh, a little bit for me here. Wisconsin laying three on the road. This is not a very good offense, but you can tell what Paul Chris is kind of trying to do here with Wisconsin. They're trying to get back to like old school Barry Alvarez type of football here. They're going to run the ball. Not turn it over. So, I, I and then they're really not letting Graham Mertz, I think, uh, throw the ball down the field very much because when he does, he tends to get it intercepted. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't get it intercepted Saturday against Army, but only 8 to 15 for 112 yards, but didn't turn the ball over. So, baby steps. Purdue. The defense has improved. They've gone back to that 4-3. Remember, Bob Diaco was the defensive coordinator last year. They fired him, went, scrapped the 3-4, go to the 4-3, put George Karloftis, your best player, down there in a three-point stance, have him try to kill the opposing team's quarterback, and that's working <laughs> out very well for Purdue. They're number 13 in total defense. But with Purdue, it's like very good defense. Wisconsin, still elite defense, number two in total defense. Look, they defended that triple option very well. From Army, Uh, Army only had 179 yards on the ground, and that's number two rushing offense in the country. Uh, So this did drop from five on the opener just, you know, because we expect, okay, low scoring game, total in the low 40s, high 30s. So they just took that with Purdue. But I think now this is the buy spot on Wisconsin here laying
3: on the road. And it does feel like, again, Purdue being ranked coming off that huge win against uh, number two Iowa last week. Not that they're going to be fat and happy. We understand that. But I think you're right when you handicap this one. And again, you've been right on uh, with, with a lot of these, uh, certainly these Big Ten schools. I, I look at it and I go, Purdue now is overvalued because of mm-hmm. that Iowa win, right? So I'm with you. Graham Mertz makes you nervous a little bit. But if they run the ball effectively like they did last week, that's the recipe for success against Purdue, which is a good defensive team, but I think they can get some stuff on the ground there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then how does Purdue handle the expectations That's now? Right. Because this is the first time they've been ranked since 2007.
3: All right, so we'll see how that one plays out. But I think Wes and I both leaning towards the Badgers on that side. I want to thank Will Hill for joining us today here on the Lombardi line. Wes, great job as always. We'll see you tomorrow right back here on the Lombardi line on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Zumo Play.